0: G'day and welcome to Property Australia's Favourite Obsession. My name's Jeremy Cowan and this is another Quick Hits episode. I'll be back next week with another intriguing full episode, another interview. But today we're here to talk about building a passive income property portfolio. And who better to do that with than our in-house financial advisor, Dane Pimble. Welcome to Property Australia's Favourite Obsession.
1: Jeremy, hi, how
0: are you? It's good to have you along, Dane.
1: Yeah, really good. Thanks, for, thanks for having me.
0: Now let's start off, Dane. Building a passive income property portfolio. <clears throat> so, why property? Why would we use property as the vehicle to fund our uh, our passive income lifestyle?
1: Yeah, sure. So, obviously, it's not the only way that we, you can do it. It's it's the way that I think is certainly the most efficient in in being able to build that asset basis as, as quickly as as possible and. The other point I want to make there is we're specifically talking about capital city residential property here, and not to say that other types of assets aren't, aren't relevant, just in terms of setting the goal of building that portfolio to fund your lifestyle, I think that resi property is the most efficient and and sort of sensible way to, to, to do that.
0: So it's interesting that you started there straight off the bat with uh, with goals because, you know, that's where we always should start is working out what our goals are and working, you know, working backwards from those goals as to, you know, what we need to do to achieve them.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, it, it understanding the purpose of why you're building this portfolio is going to help really – keep you focused on that long-term strategy rather than sort of trying it out, seeing if it works and then jumping and doing something else. This is a multi-decade strategy. And I think, you know, the key goal really with this portfolio is understanding what to you is a comfortable lifestyle and ideally having this property portfolio fund it. Now that's going to be a very different number for a, a range of different listeners. It's, it's, it's really dependent on the, the type of lifestyle that you want to live. Do you enjoy traveling? Do you live in a, you know, a higher cost area or, or do you live in a regional area? There's going to be a lot of different factors that determine that. But one of the key before you make any decision before you buy your first investment property, you should know that the purpose that you're, you're doing that for. And, and when I sit down with clients as at a starting point, we often, work out what that number is and then set that as as the goal for the portfolio.
0: Interesting point because so often people just – start they know they wanted to create some wealth they just buy you know property and 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 off they go and they just you know start to build some wealth but don't really think about the why and the how it's interesting that um you're very specific there about working out what that number is and working backwards so let's assume you have sat down with a client and they've given you a number um, whatever it happens to be uh, that's the income that they want to uh, to live off uh, each year now what do we do
1: yeah so sure. so you know we can we can use round numbers here for 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 the example so let's just say that the, the magic number is 100,000 a year can be more can be less but for the purpose of this example we use 100,000 so so we use the the 5% rule and basically what that means is that the size of the portfolio that you're aiming to build and the income that you're looking to draw out of it that income should be no more than 5% of the total value of that portfolio. So in the $100,000 example, the goal for that strategy is to build a property portfolio to a minimum $2 million. Now, the other key point with that is that 5% is not all pure income, um, as in the rental income from the properties it's a combination of the income and capital growth that you get from that portfolio along the way. And in, in the phase where you're accumulating that portfolio, it's really important when you commit to this, this strategy, that it's, it's funds that you're not going to need to to dip into and draw, draw from, to fund uh, your lifestyle. Really important to have those cash buffers in place first because as you would understand that residential property is is somewhat illiquid. It's not something, you know, if you you can't sort of sell it the next day to to take some of that capital growth out easily. And, and so it might be at, at the end once you've built that portfolio, you might decide, okay, now's now the debts are paid off. I might sort of sell one or two of these properties off. So I have a more diverse portfolio that I can, that I can draw from. But in that phase where you're building it, the, the singular focus is just focus on buying residential property, build up that asset base, pay down the debts once you've built the asset base, and then make decisions on, on how you want to structure the portfolio from at, at that point in time.
0: You're right with regards to that liquidity issue that property does create that, you know, you do need to ensure that, um, you know, once you start down, and leverage is another one too, that, you know, the mm-hmm. illiquidity of it is, is important that you've got the cash buffers around. And as you said, it's really important that you, if you start down a leveraged um, portfolio path that you're able to sustain it. The worst thing that can happen is you have to unwind it quickly or have to unwind it on someone else's terms for, uh, for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, and that comes back to the things that you can control along the way as best you can, which is your the discipline with your with your cash flows that, that you what you're spending is less than what you're earning separate to that 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 portfolio and it, that's also why I like residential properties, because you know, the banks are willing to lend. 80% or or even more with lenders lenders mortgage insurance but but you know 80% of the value of the property it's a great vehicle to help you build wealth quite efficiently relative to other
0: asset classes oh and the government kicks in and the uh, the tenant kicks in it's got uh, all sorts of benefits hasn't
1: it yeah i mean the, exactly the the tax deductibility of, of the interest the depreciation on the buildings a lot of all the expenses associated with the property being tax deductible, ideally the types of properties that you're looking for effectively the, the rental income is covering, you know, all of those costs and and you're just allowing the capital growth to build over time to, to utilize that in combination with your savings to fund the, the all subsequent purchases after that.
0: The other great thing about um, property that's, often pushed is of course the lower volatility but in this case i think something that's often overlooked is the fact that essentially the income that comes with the property um, you know grows in value as um, yeah uh, as you know costs of livings increase
1: yeah so the way i often like to explain this to to clients is and we've got more than two centuries of of, of data to, to demonstrate this, that essentially, your wages, your living costs will grow over time you know, at inflation or a slight, you know, wages might be slightly more.
0: Mm.
1: Rents will rise faster than those costs and the property values rise faster than rents. And that's no more evidence. If you've if you sort of look at the really high value luxury areas of capital cities, the rental yields are really low because they're already well-established areas. And that's that's demonstrated over, over many, many decades.
0: And I think it's too important to make the distinction that we're not talking about trying to buy high yield properties to generate the 5%, that the 5% can be uh can be obtained from both income and capital growth Um, we're talking about good quality high growth uh rental properties aren't we
1: yeah absolutely definitely prefer sticking to the capital cities the tip and the the whole yield argument i can totally understand the appeal because it's that whole bird in the hand theory. You can, you know, you get the rental income coming in. Capital growth's a little bit more, you know, you have some years really strong growth. You have some years where you might go backwards and you can have long periods where you're going sideways. But, and that's why I keep coming back to the, this is a multi-decade strategy. So in the long run, most of the wealth creation is going to come from the capital growth and the, the 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 key to it's really finding striking that right balance you, know, you 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 want to stay in the game so you need enough income to to service the debts along the way but but typically the trade-off is the higher the yield the lower the the growth press prospects for the, for that property
0: and as you said the, the the higher growth properties will always win over the long one because you're comparing simple interest with compound interest
1: absolutely yeah yeah we, we try and sort of demonstrate that in, in in the advice that rental income in a lower yielding property might start off lower year one but if you compound that over you know 10 15 years because of the growth in that rent is likely to be higher than the higher yield property you end up with a lot more rent cumulatively over that period of time in the in the growth property you just need to wait a few years for that to start For that to really start to ramp up Mm, mm.
0: and i love the fact too that um almost by definition people tend to take a much longer term view of property than what they do other asset classes um which is exactly as you said it's got to be a multi-decade approach
1: particularly with the leverage part you know at at its simplest form it's a it's a forced savings vehicle um but but also you're exactly right in the sense that unlike shares and, and ETFs and whatnot that you're getting intraday daily pricing and you get you're seeing that volatility day in day out really the, the only time other than sort of comparable sales in your area the only time your property changes value is if you buy when you buy and sell it but you're not getting that there there is there is rises and falls in capital values of property over time but it's certainly not as dramatic as what people experience with shares and it just finds that's also the reason why i find it's it's the right asset class for lifestyle funding so it's 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 effectively so you can sleep at night and you know once you've built this portfolio you can choose whether you want to keep working or not but you don't want that sort of portfolio being too speculative because you don't want to be reliant on speculative assets to be funding your lifestyle. So,
0: Jane, who can do this? A lot more people than actually than
1: than many realize, I think. I think the hardest, and in some some ways it's sort of linked to the question as to how you get started. The hardest thing with this is the first step, which is coming up with a defo- deposit for, for, for the first property. And that that really comes... It's basically, to, to answer your question, anyone can do this that is able to save money consistently. And I'm not saying all elements of society are capable of, of, of doing that, but if you've got the capacity to save whatever, whatever it happens to be, but you can do it consistently, then once you've built that first deposit, that gets you started.
0: You're absolutely right with regards, to it all comes down to cash flow management, doesn't it? You don't have it to does. be a high income earner. You just have to be able to control your cash flow. You just have to be able to spend less than you earn. You just need to be able to save something. And if you can save something, then the idea is that you you build for a deposit. Um, and once you get a foot in as the properties grow, then you just use the, um, the increased in equity to, uh, to help continue to fund, uh, further purchases.
1: Yeah, you, you, you're very right. And it has absolute, well, I shouldn't say it has nothing. It has very little to do with how much you're earning. It really does come down to your cash flow habits. And, I, and you know, when I'm advising clients, I'm, I'm not really the type of advisor that will sort of say, you really need to rein in your spending. It's more sort of trying and explain to them, okay, well, you choose the lifestyle that you want to live. Here's what, here's what you've said that you want to get to. Here's what you need to do to get there. And then, you know, you give a bit of personal responsibility to the client to decide, well, do I, do I want to rein back some of this spending because that will allow me to get to that point quicker? Or am I happy for this just to run its course and, and enjoy the lifestyle that I have now? Everyone's going to be different. Everyone's earning different incomes, but also everyone's living different lifestyles.
0: And yes, it's, I mean, you're absolutely right. And it really just comes down to, as you said, just being able to uh, to control your cash flow. If you can do that, then you can get a start and off you go. And for those people that are struggling to make a start, I mean, we did talk in episode 16 of our quick hits um, about family pledge loans as well.
1: Yeah, that, that's a really great product and, uh, you know, not everyone's going to be able to access it, but. But like I said, the hardest thing really for most people is getting that first deposit. If you're in a position where you're consistently being able to save money, but you haven't yet built that whole deposit, provided your parents are you know willing to support you, that family pledge loan uh, could work really well because rather than having to guarantor the the loan in its entirety, mm. really they they're just they're only guarantoring the the gap. Um, in the deposit that you need to come up with and so it really minimizes the risk for them and but I only ever advise like when I'm advising clients on this I make sure that the 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 children the adult children have demonstrated to themselves let alone to their parents that they are disciplined in their saving before we go to that step Mm. but if they've done that then it's, it removes the biggest barrier for a lot of people that if your parents have already built significant equity in, in their property or properties, then that gets you started. And then once you've built, let's say, once you've built 20% equity in that first property, you can then take your parents off the loan. They're no longer having to guarantor it. And you start building towards that next purchase.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I really like about the concept of using property to fund um, your lifestyle, you know moving forward is. Um, you know the bottom line is nobody knows how long you're going to live, and that whole idea of having indexed income, um, I think is really important, isn't it, Dane?
1: Yeah, it is. And it's, again, it, it makes property such a great vehicle for this because in the first phase where you're using leverage to accumulate that wealth, well, there's some great tax advantages with, with with doing that, but it also still works really well once those debts are paid off. Like you said that that the income that, that's linked to the, the the to property through the rental income is typically rising faster than your than your living costs are.
0: Mm, mm. And with a. Um uh you know with with this sort of strategy dane what happens to the excess capital i mean um you know the five percent if we've still got the the properties growing we're only taking out five percent we'd expect a return greater than five percent over the long term so um you know the expectation i guess is that um the bulk of the the assets will be in place um you know upon death so you know what's the idea leave it for as a legacy to your family or
1: yeah, I mean, there's a whole range of different things and, and that's a very individual, individual choice and, and it's a key part of the, the, the discussion that we have with clients at the starting point. You know, I always try and encourage, because every parent wants to help their, their, their child, but sometimes that comes at the expense of their own lifestyle. So I think it's really important to you know, look after yourself first to be able to help others. I think that's a really key thing. But but you know, once you're in that position that you that you describe, you do have those options. And so, you know, it can be leaving a legacy for your children or or society in in general. It could be it could be that the goal is to to fund, you know, a sustainable lifestyle, but there might be things that you want to do that you kind of left out of that that goal. Building a larger portfolio is obviously going to be able to fund. Mm-hmm a more extravagant lifestyle. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. If you've done, if you've done the work to, to, to build that sustainable asset base to fund it.
0: Is there anything else that you'd like to add? I mean, I think it
1: comes back to that point that often when people are considering investing in property and obviously people listening to this podcast, that's a, they're either already investing in property or, or considering it, it a lot of the enthusiasm and the focus is around the investment themselves and and the strategy kind of gets put to the side it's like yeah yeah it's kind of society tells me i'm supposed to build wealth. society tells me i'm supposed to you know consider investing in property but that's understanding why the purpose of why you're doing it is the most important bit and it it, it's all you need to focus on because once you've made your your investment decision each time you then go back to living your life, and in the way we do it, uh, you know, we do it. We do an annual review of, of have, uh, has there been any major changes? Do we need to make any tweaks? No. Okay. What are you in a position to consider another purchase? Yes. All right. Let, let's let's do that. And I, and I think it's it is a very simple strategy. Mm. And but it's made overly complicated by the amount of noise that, that exists around, you know, everyone's gonna have an opinion on what you should buy, where you should buy, how much, when, should it be crypto, should it be property shares or, or whatever. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm a, a, you know, an evangelist for property only, it's just for this particular purpose, it works really well. But yeah, you know, we, as you as you know, we we do we invest in in a range of different asset classes. But for this specific goal, capital city residential property works really well to build that portfolio sustainably, funding your lifestyle.
0: I couldn't agree more, and I completely agree that um, the the noise is what makes it so difficult. It's the it's the emotion, mm. and it's the, um, the the fact that um, you know people don't. They don't think about what the goals are and they don't stick to the plan. And so they get sidetracked and, uh, inevitably those sidetracks are very costly in both monetary and in time. Yeah.
1: And I think one other last point is, is, is that patience? You, like you just mentioned that there's because the enthusiasm you're looking for that Sort of validation as quickly as possible that you've made the right decision. Sometimes it just doesn't work out in the short term, but you know you can you look back through two, two centuries or more of history, property's done reasonably well over the long run. You just if it, it, it just need to give it its time to do its job.
0: And it's a sad fact that most investors only hold um, investment properties <clears throat> for two to three years. By the third year, most have um, tipped them out, gone elsewhere, which is a real shame because they, you know, you're not giving the asset class a chance to do its work.
1: Absolutely. It can it can be a number of years where it doesn't feel like much is happening. And then, you know, it'll go on quite a burst for, for a few years as, as well. And you look at the capital city markets. Let's take Sydney, for example, you know, between 2004 and 2012, Sydney didn't really go anywhere. Mm. And then... You, know, you talk to a you talk to people considering a, a Sydney property investment in 2012, very different discussion to where, where we're sitting now, where it's, you know, it's kind of the opposite. Yeah. And and it's probably now that's the time that you know, other capital cities might be more, more relevant.
0: All right, Dane. Well, that's been a pleasure talking to you. Let's wrap it up there. If listeners want to get in touch uh, to discuss their financial needs, uh, where do they go?
1: Yeah, sure. So you yeah, know CallenFlack.com. You can find my bio on there. Email address Dane.pimble at CallenFlack.com.
0: Well, definitely look him up if you uh, if you want to have a chat. Um, Dane, thanks again for spending some time with us. Do appreciate it. You're welcome, Jeremy. Thanks for having me and thanks of course to all our listeners we do appreciate you joining us once again if you want to catch up then stop on by at pafo.com.au of course pafo is the acronym for property australia's favorite obsession and that's also our social media handle so it's pafo pod you'll find us there on facebook instagram and on twitter or you can drop me a direct email at jeremy at pafo.com.au I do ask if you do have you have enjoyed today's episode, then please like, subscribe, and leave us a rating or review because it does help others find our show. I've been your host, Jeremy Cowan, and you've been listening, of course, to Property, Australia's favourite obsession. And until next time, Dane, let's keep obsessing about property. Absolutely. Any opinions or recommendations expressed should be considered general in nature, as they do not consider your personal objectives or financial circumstances. You should therefore consider these matters yourself. Before deciding whether the advice is appropriate to you and if you should act upon it. Should advice be sought, please seek an appropriately qualified advisor. Investing may not be appropriate for everyone, as there is inherent risk and the possibility of loss when investing in financial assets, just as there is the possibility of profits. While useful for identifying patterns, history and past performance do not guarantee future performance. Calvin Flack has a commercial relationship with guests appearing on this production.